0: afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. Oh, what a beautiful day in New York City. Um, I know we have listeners from around the world, everywhere from Mexico to Japan to China to Nepal. And uh, I know when I say the weather. I talk about the weather here in New York. Sometimes it's a little hard for you guys to relate to. But if you've ever visited New York, if you've ever been here on a beautiful spring day, and this is spring, you know, very quickly becoming summer. Um, we've, we've passed uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, so uh, the weather has just turned nice. You walk around outside. People are, like, happy. They're smiling. They're laughing. It's just amazing how a little bit of sunshine can totally change the atmosphere of an entire city. And uh, I hope those of you who, who listen to this podcast uh, from other places, if you've never made it to New York City, I really do sincerely hope that you'll come and visit our, our fair town town. Um, it's really, in my opinion, I've lived here my entire life. I love New York so much. And I really feel that New York truly is like the capital of the world. You have everything here. You have every culture, every kind of food, every kind of just anything you could possibly look for to enrich your life is here in this one Tiny, 12 mile long island It's I think it's only two and a half miles wide um, the people are amazing nobody I know who comes here um, whoever has had trouble nobody has ever said that like oh New Yorkers don't help you out they don't come to your aid we we always do we always do so I hope all our listeners Please take this as my personal invitation to come out and visit the uh, New York City, the Big Apple. And of course, if you're around and you'd like to stop by the Talking Alternative Studios, we would love to have you drop by. We actually once did have a woman who was on vacation from Germany Uh, Sigrid um, and and, you know that memory of that very short visit of her stopping by it still means a lot to me and to us all here at Talking Alternative so I hope you will take us up on that offer sometime I'm glad you're with me. We have a wonderful show in store for you today. My guest is calling in hopefully any minute now, but of course, we'll start off first with our quotes of the day. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that you've passed the audition. Yeehaw! You've earned your wings. You're a certified, bona fide being of light, capable of transcending all fears and manifesting all dreams. From here on out, you have but to dwell upon what you want, and I must bring it forth. The bad news is that this message was supposed to have reached you eons and eons ago. Sorry, the universe. Ah, uh, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley and the Universe. Universe reminding us that we are bona fide beings of light. And that we do have the capability to just transcend all of our fears and everything that terrorizes us and holds us back. And that we can and do manifest all our dreams. You know, I once heard someone say. You know, there is no difference between our inner world and our outer world. And what we manifest around us is merely a reflection of the thoughts we think, the emotions we feel, and how we feel about ourselves. People tend to forget that last part. You know, we really have to feel good about ourselves to really manifest those things that we think we want. And I think the universe here is just having a little fun with us. You know, the message got, got lost in translation somewhere along the way a few eons ago. But not to worry. We've all earned our wings. We all are beings of light, ultimately, in our core, in our very essence. And the funny thing is, mystics have been saying this for thousands and thousands of years. And the better and better we get at physics and science and measuring things and measuring the, the subtle fields that surround us, the closer and closer science is coming to agree with this belief that mystics have had for thousands of years. So please take it from the universe. You've got it made. You've got your wings. Everything is good. So thank you, universe. Let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. The thought that you think, you think, which attracts to it. So you think it's some more, which attracts to it. So you think it's some more. In other words, when you have an expectation, you've got a dominant thought going on, and law of attraction is going to deliver that to you again and again again. And again, and you say, the reason that I believe this is because it is true. And we say, the reason that you believe it is because you've practiced the thought. All that a belief is, is a thought that you keep practicing. Abraham. Hmm. Rather interesting quote from Abraham. And one that really kind of gets to the heart of why paying attention to our focus and our thoughts is so important, and why this whole idea of truth is much, much more subjective than we think it is. Much more. You see, what Abraham has said in this quote and in other quotes is that the only reason why we believe something is true is because we keep Focusing on it. We keep pondering upon it. We keep thinking about it from a million different angles and So what happens is if we think something is true We start attracting other thoughts like it We start attracting things to prove What we think is true and sure enough the more we focus on it the more we pay attention to it the more and more it's proven we're right Think about it this way. Have you ever met somebody and they just rubbed you the wrong way and there was something about them you didn't like? And for some reason you had this feeling you didn't like them and all of a sudden you were like on hyper alert mode. And then, because you had this feeling you didn't like them, then you know there was this thing about them you didn't like, and there was that thing about them you didn't like, and you didn't like how they treated this person in the restaurant, and you didn't like uh, you know what they said on the phone, and you didn't they didn't like this, and you didn't like that, and you didn't like that, and you didn't like that, and like that. So obviously, this person must be not a good person. This is not someone you want to be around with. This is you know absolutely you know for a fact this is not a good person. Until you happen to be talking about this person to somebody else. And they turn to you and go, really? I've never had that experience of that person. Wow. You know, because, you know, I know this person. I see them, you know, as a father. And I see how loving they are with their kids. And we talk about our children together and this and that. And you start getting their perception. And because... They had something about the person that they liked instead of dislike initially. They focused on their good qualities. And then before you knew it, there was more and more and more good things. So this other person was completely convinced that this was a good person, that this was someone they loved to hang out with. And you two were looking at each other like, is this the same person? This is two totally different experiences. Well, what Abraham is saying is that the more you think in a particular certain way, the more you're going to attract evidence, other thoughts. You're going to observe things to prove yourself right, right? Because ultimately, our brain wants to be proven right. We want to be proven right. Nobody wants to come out and go, oh, like I made a mistake. Or there might be some other possibilities. So whenever, and it's a very kind of tricky thing, the idea of of learning to be open of learning that to not believe our own stuff yeah you may have a feeling yeah you may have you know a suspicion this guy may not be the best but let's be open let's just you know observe them without judgment without expectation and let's see what is revealed it's actually a very very difficult thing to do so when we say something is true, right, we mean it. It's true for us. But I think what's important to understand is just because something is true for us doesn't mean it's true for anybody else. It's true for us because we focused on it. We've thought about it. We've attracted more thoughts about it. You know, we just kept Bringing more things to prove that what we think is true is true. But if we change our mind, if we reverse what we thought was true and we start focusing and looking on the opposite, gosh darn it, before too long, you know what happens? (gasps) How could I have ever thought that about that person or that thing or this situation or that event? Look at this. Look at all this great stuff. Oh, my God. I was completely wrong. Oh, my God. How could I have missed this? It's really quite interesting. We are so, so convinced that we're always right. And we forget the reason why we think we're always right is because as we keep thinking and thinking and thinking, and looking at the situation and turning it over from a 500 different angles, we're always coming from the same perspective. We're always coming from the same point of focus. We're always attracting, right? Like attracts like. We're always attracting more to prove that we're right. Right? Donald Trump supporters believe they're right. Their candidates the best. Hillary Clinton supporters believe they've got the best candidate. They're the Right? Bernie Sanders supporters believe their candidate is best and they're right. And you know what? They're all right for themselves. Because ultimately, ultimately, if we take the judgment away from it, if we stop focusing on finding evidence to prove us right, And perhaps be a little bit more scientific. Right? The idea of the scientific method is about finding the truth without bias and without objection and without attachment. So whenever anybody tells you something is true, my advice, say, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe. I don't know. Let's find out. Let's see. Let's be open. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's one truth. Maybe there's two truths. Maybe there are multiple truths. Maybe this person believes it's true because they've been focusing on it so long. That's all they see are the sides that prove that they're true. And maybe the truth is actually something much deeper, much more complex. And perhaps... Maybe we're the ones who are generating the truth. And perhaps the only reason why something is true is because we believe it. And if we change our beliefs, who knows? Maybe we change the truth. So. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour. I'm waiting for my guest to call in, Tim Davis. Hopefully he calls in. If not, you know the two of us. We're going to have a lot of fun here today. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to me, Sam Liebowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And if you'd like to call in, join the conversation, ask a question, have a chat, the call-in number is, of course, 877-480-4120. And if anybody internationally would like to call in, plus one, two one two, seven two one, eight one eight zero. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you concerned about epilepsy, autism, or diabetes? Are you interested in alternative treatments, the impact of health, or new therapies? Then tune into my show, Frank About Health. I'm Frank Harrison, the host. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc, where you learn more about these illnesses, treatments, the social impacts, and create a dialogue with each other. That's Frank About Health, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc.
0: And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We are waiting for our guest to call in. Not to fear, I can always come up with great stuff while we wait for Tim. And if something should happen, you know, it could be he had some emergency. If he doesn't make it on the show today, we'll we'll get him on some point in the future. So uh, I wanted to discuss something because I was at a, a networking event this morning. Oh before i get started i totally forgot for those of you who would like to listen to the live stream and see some video of me in the studio we are live streaming once again today on facebook you can find it um on my uh personal timeline sam Liebowitz, l-i-e-b-o-w-i-t-z And uh, please feel free to go there and share. I'm I'm streaming it live. I'll I'll see if I can share it on the Talking Alternative Facebook page as well. Uh, Sam Leibowitz in New York City. Uh, I see I have one friend joined in. Brigitte, very nice to see you uh, listening in. Brigitte, please feel free to comment uh, on the video I will see those comments and of course as I mentioned before we went out to break if anybody wants to call in and ask a question or or uh, contribute to the conversation please feel free to call in 212-721-8180 or 877-480-4120 and if I don't Catch you the first time because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of engineering the show on my own today. Uh, if I miss the call, please, please call back. So um, uh, in regards to, to the, the, the quotes of the day today and, and what I was just talking about in terms of our thoughts and how we think really creating our reality. Um, uh, I was at a networking event this morning. One that one of our other hosts, J.C. Maldonado, runs with a dear friend of mine, Cynthia Greenwald, and they had a we had a guest speaker this morning who was like a customer service expert, and she was talking about you know she's talking to a a, a business to business crowd of, of people who are business owners, professionals, solopreneurs, you know, like myself, and she was talking about you know how customers are are can either be raving fans or they're ranting with their unhappiness and she kind of in her presentation showed how it really comes down to right their experience with yourself, your company, your coworkers and whether anybody else in the organization how they are showing up are they showing up as a raver or a ranter are they showing up with the attitude of service are they showing up as a human being are they showing up with true care and concern for the person at the other end of the phone who calls up to complain because they're having a problem and she really held up a mirror to sort of everybody in the room saying, look, if you have an employee, if you have somebody, a coworker, somebody who is not providing the best service for your customers, you really need to look at the mirror first. And she really, she gave this wonderful example of somebody who, and, and by the way, this person I'm talking about, uh, I'm, I am going to have her on, on my show in the future, of um, somebody who had an employee who had been there 20-something years, and she was just awful. She had a, a real bad attitude. Nothing this woman could do to work with her would get her to change her stance, her attitude, and, and she pretty much said to the owner, you know, you really got to get rid of her. And, you know, the other employees are suffering from her. Your clients are suffering. And the owner was like, well, you know, she's going to retire in two years. I- I'm just going to wait it out until she retires. And, you know, she gives us this face and everyone starts to laugh because we know. It's like how much damage can this woman do in two years? How many potential customers is she going to turn away is she going to turn off how many employees is she going to make it an un an, an unproductive working environment for them that you end up losing good employees valuable employees and as she said you know if you want to wait the two years give her a two-year severance package and let her go because consider it an investment in the business because she's going to cause so much trouble But really, why did this person not let her go, not want to? Because that individual, that owner, did not themselves care enough about the customers, care enough about the business to do ultimately what was really best for everyone. And you see, that's the thing. It's like if you want to have amazing people around you, it starts with you. You have to be amazing. If you want the people who work with you for you and around you to care about whatever it is that you do whether it's creating a product offering a service um, you know doing uh, some technology it doesn't matter what it is what matters is how we show up what matters is our intention behind it what matters is our focus what matters is our caring enough about what we're doing even if it's not the passion of our life even if it's only something temporary even if it's just something to pay the bills hey especially if it's just something to pay the bills you should love that job you should love everyone that you're with because if you don't How much longer are you going to be around before something happens? And then you don't have that job to pay the bills. Now, look, I get it. Not everybody is fun to work with. Not all customers are fun to be around. But you know what? You don't know their story. You don't know what their life is like. You haven't walked five miles in their shoes. You don't know if they have a sick relative at home that they're nursing. You don't know if they just found out they have some rare disease. You don't know what trauma they've had. You don't know if they've been abused as a child. You don't know. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Talk to them. Treat them. Like they are the most valuable person in the world. And you know what? If you're the one who stands up and says, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to judge the person. They're a human being. Let me be humane and let me be a human and let me treat them the way I would want to be treated if I was in that situation. You know the funny thing is? 99% of the time, if you do that, if you show up that way, whoever this troublemaker is in your life, whether they're a coworker, a customer, a boss, or a relative, when you start showing up differently, they start showing up differently. Maybe not right away, maybe not all at once, maybe not overnight. But like the little drop of water that consistently drips on the rock, you smooth away the hard edges. Slowly but surely, their energy starts to change. And maybe it's not that they become all nicey-nicey all of a sudden, but maybe they start opening up to you a little bit. Maybe, just maybe... They let out their deep, dark secret to you because maybe you're the only one who's treated them like a human being, even though they were in such pain inside that they felt safe enough around you to say, you know what? I really appreciate how you've been with me. It's been really difficult these last five years. My husband's been battling leukemia or cancer or he had a stroke And and he can't do things for himself and having to take care of him. Or maybe it's, I just, you know, the last couple of years I found out one of my grandchildren is autistic or or has developmental disabilities and I'm trying to help my daughter. You know, perhaps, you know, once you allow them the space to let it out, then you find out what's going on. Oh, thank you so much, Brigitte. Brigitte chimes in through the uh, Facebook live stream. She says, perhaps the six-hour day would support happiness at work, giving 100% for six hours, even if it, quote, only pays the bill, quote. They are testing this in Sweden, six-hour workdays. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, let me like that. Um, You know, yes, absolutely. That's shortening the day's and, and, and just wanting people to give 100% for shorter days can be better. Now, the thing is, I know they're testing that out in Sweden. You know, a lot of, I know in particular tech companies, I don't know why, but somehow I think technology companies tend to um, be a little bit more on the leading edge when it comes to like new ideas around work. There are a lot of companies out there now. I know, I feel was it was Netflix um, and a few other tech companies, they offer unlimited vacation days now. And what they found is people don't abuse it. Not only don't they abuse it, but people actually take less time off. because and, and it's just, again, it, it's treating people like human beings. You know, if you want the best from people, give them the best, right? So, yeah, and, and a lot of companies now are virtual companies. I, I know I have a friend, and she has, I mean, a small to mid-sized company, probably works with a dozen to two dozen um, employees, that are scattered around the country and that they only meet maybe once or twice or three times a year. They try and get everyone together in one city, but they're mostly virtual and they telecommute and they do things via video. And what this does is, is number one, places a lot of trust in the people and number two, gives them the flexibility they need. I mean, when you think about it, if you give your employees and the people you're working with the tools, the responsibility, and the authority to do a good job, to do whatever it takes, they do it. Yeah, there was um someone interviewed on on one of the other shows the other week uh, on 21st Century Entrepreneur, uh, uh, Augustine, I forget his last name, is from France. These, these two two guys created this amazing cookie company called uh, Michel and Augustine. And, and they're amazing uh, cookies. and And what they do is their employees don't have to get every budget item approved like if they feel there's something important and they need to spend a thousand dollars five hundred dollars i don't know whatever it is that they trust them they say okay you spend the money you don't have to justify it up front and they'll do an accounting of it afterwards but they trust the employees And it's that kind of attitude of giving people the resources and the flexibility to do what they need to do, to really trust them. Now, granted, trust doesn't just appear. Trust is something you you build up over time. But when you show people that you trust them first, most of the time they'll show you have a reason to trust them. So, everyone, please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
3: Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself?
1: Well, then you have come to the right place because the Rob and Callie show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone. And now we're bringing it to the radio.
3: So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 830 on talkradio.myc. And
1: that's Eastern Standard Time. So join us.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. Our guest is on the line, a little mix up in communications, but Tim Davis is here with us. Tim has coached and mentored top professionals in business sales and show business. He's a certified behavioral analyst, a disc expert, a stand-up comedian, and the CEO of his own tech company, CMIT Solutions, West Midtown Manhattan. He has a very wide range experience, everything from being a cab driver to a comedy club manager and he has a very interesting take on how to use comedy and 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 we're also going to talk about a little bit the difference between comedy and humor but i also i wanted to get him on the show today because he recently went through some personal changes and i really wanted to talk to him about the personal stuff i hope that's okay tim Oh, yeah. I'm very
4: eager to talk about it.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I I know you're an expert on on comedy. So uh, but but I want to talk about, um, you know, kind of what you sort of personally went through recently. You you decided to make a change in life. And uh, I'm wondering if you can. Talk to our audience a little bit about sort of what led up to that choice, and 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 what you were really thinking when you decided to make that choice.
4: Well, you know there there are a lot of prejudices in the world. You know, uh, African Americans feel that they're racial prejudices, and Jewish Americans feel there's anti-Semitism, and women feel that there's prejudice against them, you know, in the workplace and other things. But there is, they, that is a pimple on an elephant's ass <laughs> compared to the prejudice against fat people. What? Everybody hates fat people. Everybody? Fat people hate fat people. <laughs> Even Shakespeare hate fat people because he wanted to give up a pound of flesh. Ah. You know? I was 415 pounds and my doctor looks at me and he starts quoting Shawshank Redemption. He says, you either got Get busy dying, or you gotta get busy living. He says you're about forty pounds from a wheelchair. You wow. know what I mean? And like when you're fat, and the worst thing that can happen to you when you're fat is you have a stain on your shirt. People look at you like <laughs> you couldn't even wait to get it in your mouth. Yeah, what a pig! And like all day when I walk around with that weight. At least three times a day, people would come up with diet plans. Hey, why <laughs> don't you call my cousin? I got a great. You know, fat people know every diet in the world, but everybody's got a diet plan that's going to make me lose all this weight. You hey know what hey, I mean? hey Tim, I'm very nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey Tim, no, you, know you know why I, diets I would do that?
0: Hey Tim, you know why diets don't work? Why? Just look at the first three letters. Die
4: right, <laughs> but I mean, you know, like I would get on the subway and sit down, and people would look at you and go, "Jesus, how many seats are you going to take up?" You know, and you really know how fat you are. I knew, really knew how fat I was. I got up one day and seven people sat down. <laughs> All right, but now, now, Tim,
0: just to be fair to you, how tall are you?
4: Um, yeah, I'm six five, but yeah, so I was are I was four hundred fifteen pounds. pounds. I mean, uh, I really. Like, you know, I had some anxiety in life. I got a little depressed, and then I just couldn't right. stop eating. So, anyway, my doctor looked at me, and he goes, Tim, you got to... So, I decided to get the, biotric, the bariatric surgery. Right. I got the sleeve surgery. There's three kinds. There's the bypass, the bariatric, ah. and then there's the uh, lap band. Okay. So, it took six... It took five months of testing before they did let me have the operation. You have to really? go through a lot of... You have to go through a lot before you can do these things, you know? Um,
0: yeah, I know. And I know also like they, they put you
4: on a special diet e- e- before the surgery. Yeah, I had to lose, I lost 35 pounds before the operation because um, the nutrition, they say, see, right now they're not going to okay. I mean, the, what happened was a lot of people just went in for it and they really weren't prepared for uh, it. So they want to see a lifestyle change even before you go. Like I had to go to a psychiatrist. You have to go to uh, oh, really? blood work. You, you had have to get to counseling. You osteopath. Wow. You know, all of these doctors, You, may, you and then you have to get. Weighed every month for six months to show them, you know what you're, you know that you're losing weight before you go in for the surgery.
5: Oh, so when wow! I went for the
4: surgery, and since, so I lost thirty five pounds before the surgery, and then I lost. Um, I've lost 65 pounds since the surgery, which was February 3rd. So I've lost a total of 100 pounds.
0: Wow! Congratulations, congratulations! Yeah, so,
4: it's a compl- uh, It was the best thing I ever did. I, know.
0: I, I saw you. Yes. You updated your your profile picture on on something recently, and I saw it and I go, "Wow, Tim lost a lot of yeah. weight." Yeah, mm-hmm. I lost a
4: lot of weight. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what a difference in. Uh, You know, and the other day I got on the subway and and there was a guy sitting across from me who was a big guy like me, and you know, I could, his weight was, was the same weight that I... And I could see myself, oh, my God, uh, this was this was going to be me if I didn't lose that weight. Wow,
0: wow. You know
4: what I mean? And uh, I mean, what... You but, know,
0: you've been big for a while. Like, this wasn't a,
4: anything relatively new. Was there something that kind but of not, was... But not that big. I was never that big. Ah, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had gained like 60 pounds, 70 pounds. I was really... You oh, know, over was how long? I a p- lot with, with work, anxiety. Right. Well, you know, I mean, s- and then, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs you know so the only thing left was food you know I mean, that was how i was dealing with issues now you know you have to one thing is you have to really deal with whatever's bothering you because you can't eat your feelings anymore
5: right right
0: right so i'm just wondering though was there something i mean was it just your doctor saying like you got to do something but was there i mean but to make that decision to decide like you know what I need the help, I need to do something, let me do this. Th- there must have been something inside of you that finally said enough is enough because I'm sure yeah. there are other people who are in the exact same situation who end up not doing the surgery.
4: Well, I read an article that they have, uh, there was a, there's a hospital somewhere, or I don't know if it's a hospital, but like where these very overweight older people or just lying in bed, and they have to have these muscle builders you know uh, turn them over
5: oh, wow. and they
4: just they just lie in bed waiting to die they can't even you
5: Jeez. know.
4: And like you know what I mean, and I and I read that, and I and I knew if I didn't do something, I mean, how much farther was I going to go? I mean, right. you know, I mean, it's like it's welfare. It's you know, I mean, you know, you yeah. you you know, you're in some kind of hospice in the in the Bronx somewhere. You know what I mean?
5: Right, right. right. I
4: mean? So it got to a point where I had a, I looked at myself. I mean, do I want to spend the last years of my life? You know, just doing that, or do I want to at least try, you know, do I have it in me one more time to get better?
0: Wow, wow, great, great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just but curious... I can tell
4: you this sh- I'm sorry, good.
0: I'm just curious, then, once you finally made the decision, and you made the commitment that you were going to, to do this, did you feel differently inside? Did something sort of oh, yeah. shift
4: within you? yeah. Well, you know what it is, is like, you know, my mother, my, you know, our mothers always say, don't eat sugar. Well, that's exactly what happened is you yeah. can't eat, so... After a while, you're just eating protein shakes which, because that's the only thing you can keep down, uh, and then you try to eat something, and the sugar content is like ugh. Yeah. You know, like I can Eggs don't don't even taste good anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like everything. You know, I I, I I very I I might eat a hamburger every once in a while, but that's about it. Yeah. I can't eat chicken. I don't like chicken anymore, and uh, okay. and uh, so bread and butter is gone, and right. uh, you know, so. It, and, but I've heard that other people have lost this weight and then they've never changed their eating habits and gained the weight back. So uh, it's not a done deal. You really right. uh, have to be very active. You know, you, it, it gives you a chance to have a lifestyle. But if you you can you can lapse right back into that same old...
0: Right, the, that old eating, those old habits because it's hard yeah. because, right, we develop yeah. those yeah. habits over years and years and years and it, it really takes either extreme pain or just an extreme strong will and commitment to say, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I deserve better. I want better. I want to change. And then you just, you got to just go for it and keep reminding yourself like every minute of every day, this is what I want.
4: You know, um, it's really, um, you know, I, I'm a behavioral, uh, coach, right. Right. So it doesn't matter what happens. It only matters how you react to what happens. And so when I right. get, you know, when I have anxiety or I'm dealing with issues or stuff like that, well, how do I react to it? Well, I react to it by eating. And so it's breaking that, that you know, that uh, connection between anxiety and food.
0: Right. Right. So
4: I know a guy who is really, you know, big man like me, and he says to me, you know, people keep coming up with these diets, and I tell them, yeah, I got, you know, I'm eating because I've got a wife, three kids, uh, three businesses, and, <laughs> you know, and about 50, and about 200 people bothering me every day, and I laugh because... I know what he was talking about I mean because when you run businesses, everybody you just the only way the only place you go to get like a little time to yourself is like you go out to eat something
5: right, right
0: so
4: you right. have to really decide that you have to find another way um,
0: another way to, to find you know what, what what works for you what can serve you um, I'm, I'm curious uh, now that you 've done it and you 're thinner. How do you feel about yourself? What, you know, has changed about your own sort of self-image? Just in a couple of minutes we have before we go to our break.
4: Well, I tell you what, what I feel about myself. Um, you know, uh, what I what I've gotten to the point in my life is, if I get upset about something, I know that I'm going to get over it, so I don't really have to act on it. Like, for instance, right. we got a very volatile political season right now. Right. And if you turn on the the cable channels and you watch it, whatever whether you whatever your political persuasion is, you can get yourself upset,
5: you right? Know? And right.
4: you know, so like now I know like well, there's nothing I can do about it. I was telling one young fellow the other day, "Yeah, are you worried about the, the environment?" And he goes, "Yeah." He says, "Well, I'm not." He goes, "You're not?" No. You know the environment's going to be around for twenty more years. That's what I got left. It's your turn. You know, <laughs> it's your turn to get worried about it, not me. <laughs> I can't do anything about it anymore.
5: Right, right,
0: you know,
4: right. So it's a learning. The things to that pl- bother me, like somebody blocking the subway door. I just to you know, I'll get around them. <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I I know that getting upset and the fact that I'm a comedian, I know I can say something very sharp to people, right. and I don't want to do that because they don't have any defense against somebody who can come back at them. That's why even when I was fat, people would say things to me. I wouldn't say anything back to them. Right, right.
0: But you can also use comedy to create some levity in the situation, not necessarily to get at them, but just to kind of change oh, yeah, the energy. Yeah.
4: I know, but yeah. I, But a lot of comedians use, you know, you, you can also you, you use comedy to get over that, you know, people say something. It's like, look at Donald Trump. He attacks everybody, right? Well, comedy—you get like you want to say you want to say something to me. I'll say something bad, but now I don't do that. I because I know that I that person saying something is not a comedian. So they, whatever I say to them, it's going to hurt more because it doesn't hurt me. I'm you know you you build up a. You know, you, you it, doesn't, it doesn't affect you anymore because you've been in comedy for so many years. You know, somebody saying something doesn't wash right, gotcha. with you. So, Okay. But I, I do feel much better about myself. It's really... Um,
0: good, good, good. Uh, All right. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. We're going to go out for a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the new Tim Davis and, and, okay. and uh, how he's different from the old Tim Davis. Okay? Okay. All right. Wonderful. Everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, and we'll be right back
1: talkingalternative.com
0: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Tim Davis, a coach, a mentor, a, a, a technology solutions company owner, and somebody who recently changed their body to change their life. Oh, and thank you for, um, no, Gene, you did not miss Tim on, on the Facebook live stream. Zeno, welcome, Gene Bruttman. You know Gene, Tim.
4: Yes,
0: I do. Yeah. So she's listening on the live stream. Unfortunately, Tim uh, wasn't in studio today, so you just got me to look at. But don't worry, Tim is on the phone. (laughs) I did not. Hi, Tim. Um, So, Tim, tell us about what's the difference between the new Tim and the old Tim?
4: Well, the old Tim would stay home a lot. Ah. You know, I didn't. I, I was embarrassed oh my. when I looked. I wouldn't see my family.
5: Ah. You know,
4: I turned down all the invitations. I I, I just didn't want to go in and have people look at me and go, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You know, and it, it's really, you know, people give great advice. If you want to lose weight, don't eat. If you want to have right. money, don't spend it. <laughs> oh, good. I, I should have known that. It, right. It's very easy to tell people things like that, but... There was a real emotional connection between anxiety and what was, you know, what was going on in my life and food because there was I didn't have other ways, so I have to find another way to be able to deal with what's going on in my life instead of just eating.
5: Right, right.
4: You know, so now I feel much better. I'm going out more.
5: Good. Uh,
4: I feel that, um, you know, I lose, you know, if I lose thirty, forty more pounds, I'm going to really think about what career. Um, direction I want to go
0: in. Oh, awesome! Is is there something that, like, in the back of your mind, you thought that you would do one day if you were in better shape or feeling better about yourself? That you think well, might. Uh... I thought
4: about going. I thought about performing again, you know. But I wouldn't okay. go. I don't want to be another fat comedian. There's too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you can be you know, the tall comedian. There really is. There's just too many fat comedians, and All like, right. you know, John Pinette was probably the best fat comic ever.
5: Ah, okay.
4: And he died recently because of his weight. Yeah. You know, I mean, but he really, he really had the fat jokes really down. Yeah. Okay. And it's just too many because, you know, when you're overweight or you're too tall, or you're too short, or you're too this, or you're too that. You use comedy as a way to get people to like you.
0: Right, right. Okay, so besides comedy, I mean, within, just between us, you know, there's only like a couple yeah. of dozen people listening in China and across the United States. Okay. Just between us, like what's that one big dream you would love to achieve that, that you haven't gone for yet?
4: I tell you the the real big dream. I, gu- I guess the real big dream would be to perform again.
0: To perform again, yeah.
4: Yeah, that really would be. Uh, because uh, I b- I've been doing jokes on, t- you know, I do so much comedy when I'm on the phone with people, you know. Um, I do. So I do a lot of comedy when when I meet people, you know, just to yeah. make them laugh. And yeah. after a while, you get a little. But I think if that if I was going to do anything, that would be it. I think I would like to try try to go back up on stage one more time.
0: Well, Jean says she will come. So will I. So you have to <laughs> let us know when you're back on stage. We'll fill the comedy club because I know they have like you got to bring enough people, but we will fill it. No, I, would, I
4: wouldn't have to worry about that because I think I still have a few connections where yeah. I can call up and get a spot. You know what I mean? All um, right. I don't, I don't think I would teach comedy anymore because. You can only teach comedy if you have a club to put people on stage.
5: Yeah.
4: It, it really, you know, when I'm a coach and a trainer, and I know a lot of people are coaching and training, and y- you know, you can, if you tell people what to do, you have to keep telling them. Uh, you know, uh, you have to be able, you develop the ability to persuade people. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're telling people what to do work, there'd be no jails you know everybody would live to be 100 gene <laughs>
0: says she'll bring bodies they may not be alive but they'll be bodies i <laughs> love you gene
4: um, and you know it's just, that's the difference between uh, humor and comedy uh, humor is um humor is something that will make somebody chuckle it's safe then you're not really being very uh direct at them. Uh who's the the woman who's the female comedian gay lesbian uh, Ellen DeGeneres? Ellen, in the Ellen DeGeneres? Ellen I mean she's probably one of the best comedians who uses humor in a way because she has a saying if if both people aren't laughing then it wasn't funny. Ah. <laughs> and that's why when she does these award shows they really love her because She's teasing people but she's not really, you know, slamming them whereas a stand-up comedian does these shows and he goes to, he or she goes too far because they're doing stand-up.
5: Right, right.
4: So if you humor is to get somebody to laugh a little bit without them feeling that you, you know, that you made you made everybody laugh at them. You want people right. to laugh with you.
0: Right, right.
4: Yeah. Um so Tim, I'm curious, what advice
0: would you give somebody who Maybe not the same kind of choice, but was at some point where they had to make some very critical life decision that that would really change their life, like you having the bariatric surgery and and other similar things. What would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody?
4: Well, I tell you what happened with me. I I got to the point where the weight was, my doctor had said, if you gain more weight, you're really going to be very sick. So I had got, like in AA, they have a great saying, how do you find AA, go to hell and make a U-turn? Well, (laughs) I went to hell and made a U-turn. And I think when I talk to people is, how much room do you have left before you really have to make a decision? Mm. Or do you want to wait till the final second and have the decision be made for you? Or do you want to have a choice in that decision? Like, for instance, you take a young person, who is overweight, you know, and they've come to the realization that losing weight is just very difficult for them. Well, maybe, maybe it's time to go see a doctor and get some professional advice. Maybe your job isn't paying you the money that you need. And when do you make that decision or you do you wait until that decision becomes to the point where it's too late to make a decision? Uh. So for me, i didn 't want if I waited any longer i don 't think I would have been able to get that surgery. I, I was at the uh, right moment okay at the maximum point where because i 'm walking around with a cane now because of a broken bone in my foot. If I had gained any more weight, I would be in a wheelchair and gotcha. once you 're in a wheelchair you know then you can 't go anywhere you know are you going to get up and down subways? Are you going to get into anywhere
0: right so it 's basically make your choices. While you still have options while you can still right. choose for yourself, make your choices don't wait until it's too late
4: right you know you uh, because these you you have to look at the decision that eventually this decision has to be made
5: right, and
4: you know for me, I made a decision I didn't want that decision to be made where I'm in a wheelchair mm. so uh, i i It was not easy. It wasn't a walk in the park because, you know, for five months I had to go to a lot of doctors, get a lot of testing. And they tell you, you have to be responsible to get the results to us. We're not going to go and get them for you.
5: Right.
0: Because they want
4: to see how much you want this.
0: Right, right.
4: Like when I train comedians, I would say, okay, you need to go out this week and perform three times. You know, let me see how much you want this. Right. You know, I'm not going to, you know, you have to get up on stage and feel what it's like not to get laughs. You have to go through that process. Right. So mm-hmm. the ones who went out and performed and came back to classes, you know, they, they're the ones who really you know had a chance at it. The other ones were, you know, they, if, you, if there's always an excuse not to perform, then there's always an excuse not to perform.
5: Right, 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 right.
0: Yeah, I have a friend who has um, been practicing stand-up and going to open mic nights, and I, I bumped into him in the street the other day, and I was like, how's it going? How'd you do the other night? And he goes, oh, I bombed. It was horrible. It was awful. And I go, oh, you, you, are you going to do it again? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing it uh, the night after tomorrow. I'm like, okay, good. So, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, sometimes you need to do the uncomfortable you need to kind of, you know, get out of our comfort zone, push the limits a little bit in order to get to where we ultimately want to be.
4: Right. You know, the thing about comedy is that what happens is you you keep going on stage. And I always tell comedians that every time you go up on stage, you you say to yourself, maybe this is the set that will will make me understand stand-up. Maybe this is the set that will break me out.
5: Right.
4: And most comedians will tell you of a set that they had that they said, okay, I can do this now. Uh. So you go up there with that, maybe today is the night I can do this. And um, one of the things I found out, that somebody who's naturally funny doesn't mean that they're going to be a comedian. Usually people who are naturally funny don't want to put the work in. Ah, yeah, it's the yeah, ones yeah. who are not naturally funny who learn the skill set Right, right. that well, they'll learn what timing is they'll learn what pausing is they'll learn how to riff a punchline they'll learn all the comedy skills that are necessary to become a comedian whereas the person that gets up gets, gets laughs right away and when they don't get laughs oh, I don't want to do this no more because they never learn the actual skill set
0: gotcha well speaking of timing Tim unfortunately we're out of time
4: so, can I just say one very quick thing? It's the same thing in sales. There are certain uh, selling skills that every salesperson has to learn. And once you learn them, you know, you have that basis. It's, it's really, that's what it's all about, going and getting a basis of skills.
0: Absolutely. If people want to find you, learn more about you, Tim, where can they look online?
4: Uh, they can just uh, email me at tim at com. Tim at timdavisnetwork.com
0: Wonderful, Tim. Wonderful. And you can work with people locally and, and at the yeah, distance, sure. right? Yeah, you can coach people over the too. phone. Wonderful. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about something very, very personal. I uh, I appreciate your willing to be open and honest and upfront about it all.
4: Okay. Uh, let, let me know when you and I are going to get
0: together. Absolutely. You got it. Okay. So, take care. Take care now. So everybody, um, just a quick announcement. um, uh, For those of you who haven't seen the newsletter, uh, Please uh, make sure you go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. A couple of great events happening this week. Tonight, I'm going actually to this book launch event at uh, One Spirit Alliance. Mae Vu, who I had on my show previously, um, her book, uh, Divorce Mom's Guide to, to Dating, a wonderful book, going to be a great uh, a show tonight. Um, book launch event tonight at One Spirit Alliance. I think if you just Google One Spirit Alliance, you can probably find it on their website. And tomorrow, it's the return of our spoon bending workshop. Yes. I haven't done a spoon bending workshop in about a year. People have been asking for it. So we're going to do it here at the double diamond wellness center. You can find out all about it at our meetup group. You can go to meetup.com slash New York, uh, uh, New York law, uh, NYC law of attraction. Um, or just email me directly. Sam at talk radio.nyc. Gary, Jean, Brigitte. Thank you all for joining us on the live stream. Please stay tuned. Coming up next, Frank Harrison being frank about health. We'll talk to you next week.
1: listening to the talking alternative network are you concerned about epilepsy autism or diabetes are you interested in alternative treatments the impact of health or new therapies then tune into my show frank about health i'm frank harrison the host Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc, where you learn more about these illnesses, treatments, the social impacts, and create a dialogue with each other. That's Frank About Health, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you into
3: comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com.
1: Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at Talking